gentle listeners. Uh, thank you for tuning in for this special announcement. Uh, I know you've been eagerly awaiting the episodes that we will be releasing on Don Quixote when we discuss that book uh, as much as I've been anticipating them. Uh, We've had uh, a couple changes here at the headquarters of Michael and Ethan in a room with Scotch. Uh, Lots of new buttons to play with, lots of new things to do. Uh, And so part of that means that it's going to be a little while before those episodes are released. They are in production, so uh, have no fear. You know, I'm sure in some alternate universes we've already accomplished uh, our reading of Don Quixote and our our discussion of it. But uh, you can plan on that here. Um, Oh, sorry. And welcome to Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch, the podcast in which two very handsome gentlemen talk about books, but not about Scotch, because Scotch is bad. I'm your host, Ethan Bartlett, that's spelled B-J-A-R-T-L-E-T-T, the J is silent, and this is my guest. Yes, I'm Michael Lilienthal. Pleased to be here. Are you... Are you from the 1800s? What? <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. It just it just came upon me. <laughs> the spirit moved me, which you would know all about, wouldn't you? Amen, brother. Absolutely. The spirit moves us all in mysterious ways. Now, being my guest, I'll let you talk about yourself first. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, yes, I, as I said, I am the right reverend Michael Lilienthal from the great West Salem Baptist Church. West Salem, eh? That's right. And how many witches have you lot burned this year? <laughs> oh, we do the Lord's work, we do the Lord's work, but I must not brag. That's not an answer to the question I asked. I asked a question which should have an actual numerical answer of some kind, and you didn't give any numbers. Uh, so you want number... to have another go at that? Uh, you asked how many this year? Yeah. The number would be greater than 17 and less than 20. Right. So 18 and a half it is, then. Uh, approximately. There was one, uh, questionable case. We weren't quite sure if she was a witch, but, uh, you know how these things go. So you burned off of her. <laughs> the punishment fits the crime. Which half did you burn, then? I, I, I don't think that's quite apropos of, uh, uh, polite company. We'll leave that, uh, what? quiet. What of the... Right, well, leaving aside the question of what of this company is polite, yeah? I, uh, I do just raz my, raz my good friend here. He's, uh, he is, as he says, doing the Lord's work, and I just like to, uh, you know, give him the raspberries every once in a while. Even, even though being that I am in full support of his teachings of, uh, where, where did you go to school then, Reverend? Right, Reverend? School? Well, I, I attended a Bible college in Columbus. 
Columbus what? Tennessee. Right, well, I guess we didn't have any listeners in Tennessee anyway, and if we did, we don't anymore, so there you are. We also don't have any in England, for that matter, anymore, so we're just, uh... We're never... We're, we're separating the wheat from the chaff, aren't we? That's correct. Because... As, as the, the Lord says, the wheat shall be divided from the chaff. What? And they'll all be bundled together and thrown into a fire. What book does he say that in, then? Pretty the sure Lord? somewhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. They're all pretty Wait. much the same book anyway. Are they, then? Yep. That's that's interesting. I I mean, you're the one with the biblical knowledge. Yes, I, so you I, should trust what I say. I should, and I shouldn't question it, and I shouldn't ask ask you to uh, to back it up from any kind of uh, reference point of any kind. Not at all. Let alone with coherent logical argument of any sort. Logic or, is the devil's plaything, as they say. Who says that, Reverend? Right, Reverend. Sorry, devil worshippers, of course. Wait, so you're saying the devil worshippers say that logic is what the devil plays with, and therefore we should believe them? Now are you trying to use logic on me, brother? <laughs> I guess I was, and that's me committing a sin there, that is. So, I, I guess I'm in the wrong here. <laughs> At least you can admit it. Yeah, it's strange how I always end up being the wrong one and you always end up being the right one, but I'm not bearing any resentment about that at all. That would be my position as a right reverend, you see. Yeah, because they wouldn't call you the right reverend if you were ever the wrong reverend, would they? Correct. Right. Well, now that nobody is listening to this show anymore, let's get beyond the introduction. (laughs) Uh, what are, what are we show. doing this episode of uh, Michael and Ethan in a room with Scotch? This very ironic, it's an very ironic title. Ironic title. Why would it be such an ironic title, right, Reverend? Well, the spirit has no play with spirits, you see. How it's a pun you did. Aha, <laughs> see, you did yes, a I can be old, funny. You did a big old pun, did you? Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, you're you're right, of course. Of course I'm right. Of course you're right. And I'm you're always, always right. right, and I don't resent that at all. Uh, so, in this show that is called Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch, as everyone knows from a, a show which has a drink in the title, the drink is never in the show because it's in the title. That's so, right. So, we figured, as... As Right Reverend Michael Ear preaches always that spirits are bad because they claim to be spirits when there's only one spirit, which isn't logic, it just sounds like it is. Uh, Because of that, we banish the spirits to the title of our show, and we do this show where we're not with scotch, we're, we're with... With books, with books that we've read, and that that leads me to my own introduction. As you know, um, assholes, uh, which is a as a holy thing to call you, and not a profane insult at all. I don't know why we keep getting the profane tag appended to our show. We are not profane, but most um, certainly not assholes. So I, of course, 
Um, uh, the I'm I'm Ethan if Ethan Bartlett, the uh, literary professor of literature at University. What what university was that, brother? At Wesley University. I understood. Is it is it good? Good. I wouldn't want it to. I'm not, not gonna make in... you repeat it again if that's what you're asking. Well, it's worth university, so okay. so uh, get off me case. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. As Robert, you say, you, as you say, you are of course right, and I'm not. Of of course, always, always. Whatever. Um, so we are. Uh, we don't have any rules on this show, other than the rules that we live by. But those will be quite explicit. Only so, the rules of the good book. Are you drinking anything, right, Reverend? Of course not! Nothing? Absolutely nothing. Do you ever drink anything? I, of course not. I, as, as my entire parish knows, and all of my brothers in the ministry know, I am entirely sober 100% of my entire life. Yeah, okay, right, Reverend, but you just have to remember, we're doing a podcast that no one ever listens to, so... With that in mind, would you like to revise your answer, since it's just it, you and me for sure? It's just you and just me and no one just else. Just the two of us. Just the two of Not even God listens to this podcast. That's true. Why would Why would he? <laughs> uh, why would he? He's got much more important things to listen to, such as perhaps anything else. Right. I'm, I'm told that God is quite an astute listener to uh, uh, the Adventure Zone. Yeah, and... Also, to some other podcasts whose names I can't think of right now. Yep, all of those. All, uh, of, all of those, but not us. So now that we've flirted with blasphemy here, what are you, what are you drinking, if anything? Uh, well, yes, I, I just happened to find here on my table a drink uh, that uh, I'm sure someone left here quite kindly for me to uh, your, wet my whistle. Your table is a drink, is it? No. There's a drink on my table. Oh, all right. That makes more sense, actually. Yep. I was uh, slightly confused. It's a uh, it's a drink that uh, is uh, a, a special take on what's called a uh, quarter horse. Uh, it's actually my take on Anna Kendrick's take on a quarter horse. Now, is that Anna Kendrick a very sinful and uh, evil? Actress out of Evil Hollywood is that is that that Anna Kendrick? That would be correct. You see, I have purified what she has made. Oh yeah, yeah, very good. So just uh, like just like one day we will purify the world. That's correct. That is our solemn goal and our solemn mission to purify this world, one drink at a time. But not with drinking, because we don't drink. Correct. That said, this drink is uh, one and a half ounces of whiskey, one and some odd ounces of uh, uh, amaretto, one ounce of lemon juice, half an ounce of simple syrup, all shaken together and poured over four dashes of bitters in uh, on, over ice, and then topped off with some ginger beer and all stirred together. Quite wow. delicious. So you have to shake and stir this drink. Though. That is correct. After putting some bitters over ice. Yep. But this drink just happened to show up on your desk without you doing nothing. 
Absolutely. I had no part in it. All right. Well, I'm just making sure I understand everything correctly, but I think I do. I think I do. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Well, what are, what are you drinking, Brother Ethan? As a member of your right congregation, right reverend, I, of course, am right like you are right and not drinking anything. Of course not. But I did have a weird experience this afternoon where a glass sort of fell off my sh- my shelf, my dish dish shelf that I have. It fell off and the tremors of it hitting the counter did sort of flop into, cause to flop into this glass and ounce and a half of gin and then also at the same time flop into this glass and ounce and a half of slow gin and then also some Aperol got involved and perhaps some dry curacao and then since it was all there I sort of shook a couple dashes of bitters over overall. And this drink is very similar to a drink in a book that I've been perusing recently to know what sort of thing I should never drink. Uh, the book is The Death and Company uh, Cocktail Guide slash History slash Technique Book. But I, I haven't drunk anything out of it, but it's very similar to a drink in that book, and I definitely can't remember the name right now. Now that part is real, that is not a, a goof, not that any of this has been a goof, because we are against humour. Absolutely, we are a serious podcast. We are a very serious podcast, and so this drink is sitting on my shelf right now, tempting me, and if if it does get consumed here in the next hour, I don't think I can be blamed for it. No, of course not, sounds like it was a, a gift from the Holy Spirit. Well, that's perhaps a stretch, but it was a gift from some spirits, anyway. Now, now, be careful you don't verge on blasphemy, brother. Oh, I thought I was verging on a very bad sort of pun, but uh, (laughs) at least it wasn't blasphemy. Only verging. Speaking of verging, since we're definitely not married, that's what both of us both of us are, isn't it? <laughs> of course, of course. Oh, did you laugh? Uh, only in seriousness. Oh yes, the only kind of laugh that's permitted. Correct. Correct. Brother uh, Michael, I do have to admit, I haven't read all of your manifesto yet. Oh. Well, you must. It's a it's a great read. I, I haven't so. I haven't read all of it. I've just read the parts that you reference in your sermons. Yeah, yes, it and does. I do. I do reference it quite frequently. Yeah, in fact, one might say you put more of that in your sermons than of you know things what are in the actual Bible. Oh, I but you see, say it, but, but you one see, might say it. but please you don't see, hurt me. The the manifesto itself is derived from. The Bible, and therefore, if I reference the manifesto, I am by extension referencing the Bible. So, Brother Michael, or right, right, Reverend Michael, it was always right, and I don't, I don't hate you for it at all. Um, would you say that to the manifesto we have a Kia subscription or a Quatinus subscription? 
Is that devil speak? What what are these words you're saying? Oh, sorry, I got possessed and spoke Latin for a minute. Ah, it won't happen again. It's the tongue of the Roman devil. <laughs> What's what are some other tongues that other devils speak in who aren't Roman? Well, the 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 Greek tongue is the tongue of the uh, Orthodox devil. Oh yeah. And, uh, the the German tongue is the tongue of the Lutheran devil. Oh, fly on them! We ate them. We do. And French is the the tongue of the the Calvinist devil. Yeah, I I'm not even confident French is a real language that has ever been spoken. So I'm not as worried. Invented about by that. demons. Invented by demons. <laughs> So with that quick good roundup of world history, and also a full quarter of the way into our podcast, shall we talk about what we came here to talk about this week? Of course we should, of course we should. Uh, what, what is it we are talking about today, Brother Ethan? Well, we are talking about a very good, very old, very uh, enlightening book. That is called the second part of Don Quixote de la Mancha, and it's by Alonso Fernandez de Avellaneda. De Avellaneda, I believe. Of Tordesillas. Yep. And it was published in Tarragona in the year 1614, and that's what we know about that. Other than that, we have definitely read it, for sure. Of course we have, of course. And as you say, it's quite an enlightening book. It exposing is quite... the sinfulness of this world. A real pilgrim's progress. Now, can you spell out for me... Right, Reverend Do is always right. Can you spell out for me some of the ways in which it does sort of mirror the pilgrim's progress, that great English spiritual classic? I would say it does so in reverse. You take a man who begins in a life that is quite blessed. He is so filthy blessed, we might say. And then the devil moves him to go on these mad adventures, forsaking his lady love for another. And attended by what can only be said is a messenger of the demons. The fool, Sancho Panza, who is nothing but a fool. Wait, and as you he just... progresses, he goes on and and goes on these mad, sinful adventures, and uh, I have one... titillates the conscience. But uh... one wrong question for your rightness—that's right—for you to be right about, because I'm wrong, and you were you were definitely right about of all course. things. And I'm never, I'm never going to create some sort of plot. Where I put Valium in your drink, make you go to sleep, shave your entire head, including your beard and eyebrows, and paint your face a weird color, and then drop you in the middle of the street without any of your clothes, so that you think that you've gone on a great bender. I'm never going to do that out of resentment for how bright you are all the time. I'm glad you would never dream of it. I'm glad I wouldn't either. Uh, but, that said, I have a question. You said, I have a question. I said I have a question. I just didn't finish the word, so I wanted to finish it. But you said that Sancho Panza is nothing but a fool. That's correct. And then what did you say after that? Uh... You said he was a messenger of demons. That's that's correct. If he is a fool, 
and nothing but a fool, how can he also be a messenger of the demons? That's the definition of a fool. Is it? That's correct. But if the definition of a fool is by your words only that he is nothing but a fool, how can he also be something that is not that? Uh, that would be that as a fool, that means that he is fooled by the demons into being their messenger and therefore continues being a fool by being a messenger of the demons. That's oh, right. That is right. That is right. And you said it's right, and you're right because you are the right remedy. That's correct. So, I don't know how I was asking such stupid questions. I forgive you! I oh, forgive thanks. you, brother. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. I appreciate all of it. Now, continue. How is... How furthermore is this... Is this a Pilgrim's Progress in Reverse? Well, one can almost see the motif of forgiveness in this book. As I noted, he forsook one lady love for another. Uh, what was what was their names? There was there was one lady love, and then there was another lady love. Yeah, the one was uh, a lady who's definitely not made up and is definitely real. Yep. Uh, and then there was another. And then there was a different one, who also yep. wasn't made up. That's that's correct. And there we have it. And as as he goes on pursuing the love of this lady love you see that uh the love which for him is something of pure sensuous delight actually turns into a method of his redemption how so how so is that really Reverend? well uh, in in pursuit of her love of her affection he uh performs such wondrous adventurous tasks uh none specific are coming to mind but uh he, uh... Well, there's the one where he does the thing, but uh... then it turns out that he did a different thing from what he thought he did. Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, in much the same way, uh, the spirit moves our works, which we believe to be one thing, but in the sight of God, they are something entirely different. What are they then? Uh, well, what we think might be good in God's eyes, are actually bad. And likewise, what we think might be bad, in God's eyes, are actually good. Right, okay, I think I'm getting what you're saying, and I think it's much like uh, chapter 57, subsection B, uh, Roman numeral 4 of your manifesto, Uh which... I think if I'm interpreting it correctly, and of course I'm applying it to my life, I think, you what, I think what you're saying here is perhaps if I, you know, uh, give my money away to some poor person, mm-hmm. that poor person is going to go and spend it on something stupid. That's correct. And so I thought I was doing a good thing. But actually, I was doing a bad thing. Amen. Amen. Whereas, if perhaps the other day I was walking along the street and I mm. saw a child, of of three, perhaps four-year-old child, about to 
bite into a new, fresh uh, Reese's peanut butter cup. And I reach down then, and I swipe that peanut butter cup from mm-hmm. the child. Take that like, candy from the baby. Literally took candy from a baby. If if I did that, I would be perhaps doing a bad thing in the sight of the world. But because I had saved that child from perhaps ingesting an intense amount of sugar, which diabetes could have led to diabetes, which could have led to death. Exactly. Then I was actually perhaps doing a good thing. That is precisely the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. And that is exactly the theme of this second volume of the book, Don Quixote. As that? That exactly is right. You see this man, Don Quixote, in his madness, thinks he is doing one thing, but in fact, he's doing quite another. And this is what we must apply to our own lives. To our own lives, we must see how much we are doing and whether it is, in fact, good as we think it is, or if it is evil in the sight of the Lord. Right. And you're saying that's definitely a good way to think and is not horse shit at all. Absolutely. All right. Just Bless making you. sure sure that I understand. You know what my favorite part of this old book is? Please tell me. It's the fact that it's not funny at all. Oh, yes. You know, some authors, they try, they try to not take things seriously. They try to put in jokes or they even try to put in ambiguity to try to make you think about something from two different angles and perhaps mm-hmm. sort of sort of see things from another person's point of view and perhaps be a better person because you can put yourself in someone else's shoes. But no, this this uh this author this author Avaya uh, Neda Avaya Avaya Neda and some other things this author he doesn't do that. Nope. He keeps him completely out of it. And I appreciate that. I do. I appreciate it very much because him is confusing. It, exactly. Exactly. You don't want to confuse people. You need to be straightforward and to the point. And that is all, precisely what Avayaneda does. Much. All I want is for books to tell me exactly what to think about everything forever. That's correct. That is exactly what we need. Much as my own manifesto is. It is straightforward, yeah, to the point. No ambiguity, no humor, nothing. That's what it I tells love about... you what to think. And it leaves you at that. What? No, only what to think, though. And that's a great thing about your manifesto. And well, thank you. Of, of my uh, NATO book. It's, it's just... It's not only that it tells you what to think. It tells you what to feel. Mm-hmm. So, this book here... You know, it'll make a joke sometimes. I, I don't want to say that it doesn't ever include jokes. But of then course not. It's, it just says, it says, you've got to laugh at this now. Mm-hmm. You've got to laugh at this or you're a dumbass. It and like, puts it in black and white right there. And likewise, in, in very sad circumstances, when, uh, when for example, the donkey died. Yeah, it, it, which the was book a told you straight one. out, you must cry now for this is very sad. It does. It does say that, and I am grateful because sometimes emotions are confusing, you know. Exactly. And perhaps, perhaps I'm sitting there and 
I'm in a movie theater just to research, you know, what a sinful world is doing, not to enjoy movies or anything. But nope. I'm sitting there, and like people, like it's it's the the uh, the uh, the star of our faults or whatever the the latest teenage cancer romance is. I and wouldn't know. Three people, three three chairs over. There's there's like seventeen teenage girls, and they're all weeping, but. It doesn't say on the screen that this is time to weep now. Yeah. Does it? It just... You, they just watch it and then they start to cry. How do they know? How do they know they are being swept by the winds of the devil? Well, for one thing, here's here's one thing. Apparently that particular film, the uh, the, the star of all our faults, or the, 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 the fault of all movie stars, whatever it was, Apparently, it's based on a book, and oh. some of them knew from having read the book that the crying parts oh. were coming. So they sort of they sort of marshaled all their tears together, and then they, they, they had them ready, which seems like cheating. Seems like they uh, should go straight. It just to jail goes for to, to prove the superiority of the written word to this. Uh... Fancy, fandangled, modern entertainment is in the movies. Yeah, I I do appreciate that comment you just made, and I want to say I particularly appreciate your use of the underused English word "fandangled," because thank you. That was a word invented by Shakespeare, who of course was an asshole, but he did invent a bunch of good words, and that was one of them that. No one uses these dice. That's correct. You can't. You can't deny the uh, the the good that even wicked, sinful people bring into this world. Once again, they think they are doing something sinful and against the Lord, but in fact, he but is using fact, them for good, just like the book says. Exactly. See, it all comes around. It all connects. Now that said, I wonder if this does connect the way that we wanted to, because. Oh. There is one thing about this book. One one thing. Yes. And that's... it. It's called... Right in the title, it's called Part 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, now... And I, and I realize I'm bordering on use of logic, which is, of course, blasphemous. Here. As we've established. But... but logically, you would think, and, like, perhaps... The writer of this book was a sinner himself, so perhaps he he followed rules of logic. But perhaps it, it implies that there's a part one of this book. Now that's true. That, what? Do, that what is do something we, I had not considered. What do we think of part one of this book, or is there part one, or is it just is it just a sort of literary trick? Hmm. Now that could be. Now I have read that there is even a different part two of the same book. Now what? Yeah, some some asshole named Servaint, Sur- Sur- I think Servaint is Sur- his name. Servaint. Yeah, he apparently claimed to have written part one, and then he came out with part two and said that this book was fake. This book wasn't the real part two. Hmm. And I'm like, well, this book exists. So clearly it's real in some degree, right? Exactly. Exactly. Now, I'll tell you what this makes me think of. What's that? This makes me think of the blasphemy of the Mohammedans. Wait. 
But is that a separate religion after Constantine just like took this thing called Christianity and then wrote all of these books about it and faked that religion also? I am not sure what you are referring to, brother. Well, well, so in 300 AD, Emperor Constantine of the Romans, he wrote a bunch of books that he then said were the Bible. Oh. But those of us who are in sort of mind control cults like yours, we know that that it, so long as you can sort of claim that your teaching existed before Constantine. Well, yes, obviously. And that, and that so long as you can claim that, you can just blame Constantine for the fact that your teaching appears to not be in the Bible at all. That's exactly right. So, yes, in, in fact, this uh, Servants, uh, this, who was apparently a knight, Servants. Uh, yeah, Servants. So, uh, he, so he, he, he is was... much like the, uh, the Mad King Emperor Constantine. Wait, hold on. We have to stop and do a regular segment of this show called Names with Ethan. Oh, yes. <laughs> Names with Ethan. So, Sir Vaint, this probably completely false author of this probably completely false book, History of Don Quixote de la Mancha Part 1 and also Part 2 and not the other Part 2, the first Part 2, but it came out second, but it's still the real one. That, the author of those books, this Sir Vaint, yeah, so he was a Sir, so of course he was knighted. Uh, that's where the sir, sir part comes from. But he was sort of blown about at the will of the political winds of his day, which is why his books are bad and no one remembers them. And then mm-hmm. this this book by Al of... Uh, why he got famous, where Sir Vane's didn't, right? So that's where the vein part comes from, right? He's like uh-huh. a web of vein. He's like a web of vein on top of a barn that just gets blown about no matter what the wind's doing, right? So that's where the vein... So we've got Sir Vane. And then we've got, and that's because for a brief time when he had failed as a writer, he ran uh-huh. a tea house. Uh-huh. He ran a, he served tea to people. But then at a certain point, he just realized that all tea is just hot leaf juice. It's just juice you made from leaves by pouring hot water over them. And he thought that was fake. So he, he sort of got out of the tea game, but that was still part of him, but he wasn't fully sort of a tea server at that point. So they took the word tea and then took some of the letters out. So it ended up instead of teas, like like he had his tea house and so called mm-hmm. teas, it was just... So that's Sir Van... Sir Van Tea... Sir Van Tea... And this has been Names with Ethan, a very historically accurate a student while research segment of the podcast. Well done. Well done, Brother Ethan. That was uh, very astute and, and very well put. I learned a great deal from that segment. 
Sometimes I think you're being sarcastic. I am never sarcastic. Sarcasm well, sarcasm is 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 next to logic. You're right, and it's also next to humor. And That's all right. of all of it's, that. It's an it. unholy marriage between logic and humor. Both tools of the devil. And therefore the offspring of the devil, and therefore sarcasm is much like the Antichrist. Wow. That's that's a quite now what was what would you call that train of links that you just made? There's a term for it, and I'm I'm thinking I'm not sure what it is. Uh just uh plain, clear words inspired by the spirit. What spirit is that? The only one. The, the only spirit. one. The only spirit? The only one. So you're saying there's only one spirit. So you're yeah. saying that your whiskey drink that you're not drinking is the only real one, and my gin drink that I'm not drinking is a fake one because there's only one spirit and it's whiskey. Sounds like exactly what I'm saying. Well, listen. There can only ever be one. Any others that are added later, second, we might say, are obviously false. Much as Emperor Constantine's Bible, as he calls it, is false. Versus the true Bible that came first. Much as we are discussing now the second part of the book Don Quixote de la Mancha by the author of Aeneida is the true one. And the second part two that came by Sir Vance is the false one. Oh, it all makes so much sense. Absolutely. It all connects. It's all connected. And you we see didn't... now. You see now. You have been enlightened. I have. I've been enlightened. And I didn't need any of that garbage logic to do it. Nope. All I needed was words. That's plain right. words inspired by some sort of spirit. You see. And you see yeah. now. Yeah. Right. Well, right, Reverend. Yes, Brother Ethan. Who is always right, and I'm definitely not going to ever serve you a poisoned bed of chips because I've been repressing how resentful I am at you always being right, and I've decided to kill you. That's right, Reverend, to whom that is never going to happen. Is Is there anything else you'd like to say about the real, the true, second part of Don Quixote de la Mancha by Avigliela, who Alonso Fernandez de... Is there anything else you'd like to say about this before we, before we sort of wrap up here? I think, Brother Ethan, that yeah. having hit at the core message of this book, there is nothing more that needs to be said. You see, we have come to the one and only meaning and message of this book. So, oh, what more is there to say? And as a professor of literature who has definitely read books, definitely read not only some books, but a bunch of books, which you have to do to be a professor of literature. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who has done that and definitely can read and has read books... Now, I I do want to support the point that you've just made, that any true work of literature, any true novel or even short story, poem, whatever it is, right? This, at... In service to God. 
as put in that service, it only ever has one possible meaning and application. That's correct. There's definitely no such thing as ambiguity. Ambiguity is a lie of the devil, and any given work of literature that's that's valuable at all only has one thing that it means. Because, after all, ambiguity is akin to humor. And humor is akin to the devil, of course. That's correct. I've read your manifesto, I know what it is. And Amen. What's in it, and what it says, and definitely don't just eat things from your sermons that I listen to and don't read. But, yeah, you, you're right. All works of literature just boil down to one sentence, one sort of moral. In fact, most works of literature are just far too wordy. They, mm-hmm. they really should just boil everything down, because they can. They should boil everything down to one sentence that you could write on an index card. And then, you know, jobs like mine would be so much easier. English class would be so much easier if writers weren't so selfish and then go on and on and use all these words. I could, you could just write a sentence on an index card and that would be from the bell tolls. You could write another sentence on an index card and that would be the scarlet letter. And you could write another one and, you know, you could write two index cards and you could have two volumes of Don Quixote de la Mancha without all these words. You have hit the nail on the head, brother. Preach it. Well, I can't preach it because you're the right reverend and I'm the wrong not reverend part. That's right. I do appreciate the affirmation. Yeah, well, I don't appreciate the affirmation of that one. One day I am going to assassinate you in your sleep. What was that? Uh, I I think you're right about everything. Please don't call down divine judgment on me because you don't have any reason to. That's what I thought. But you are correct in the general assertion that economy of words is important. Waste not, want not, as the good book says. Not only economy of words, but economy of ideas. Also, what good book says that? Uh, mine. My manifesto. Oh, your manifesto, of course. I knew that. I've read it. I can read. Um, yeah, but, yeah, not only economy of words, but economy of ideas, economy of characters... Like, you could just write the message of part two of Don Quixote on an index card, and it it could just be three sentences. It could be, adventures are good sometimes, period. Cry now, period. Laugh now, period. And that would all fit on an index card, and then we wouldn't have to read all these words. What? I don't know how to say that one. W-O-R-D. I, I feel that I've been saying all the other things that I've been saying pretty well, at least for, for what I'm doing here, but that, that one escapes me, and it turns out to be a real difficult one to not say in this context. Uh, I believe you. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm still uh, going to kill I, I you. sympathize with your difficulties. Thanks. Uh, You're still dead soon. What? I will ask your blessing later. Oh, good. Please, I'll be happy to give please it. Please don't call down divine judgment on me, please. I have no reason to. Good. Yet. I'm glad you think that. Uh, well, if there's nothing else to say about this quite divine book, uh, the second part of Don Quixote de la Mancha by Alveoneda. Alveoneda. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. Thanks.
I suppose it's time for us to uh, apply our ratings to this book. It is. It is that time, isn't it? Ratings. Now, of course, when we rate things, you are right and I am wrong. That's correct. So, how would you rate... Well, okay, wait a second. Wait one second, though. One second. We must do... We forgot We forgot the other essential segment that makes this podcast what it is. Ah, yes. We forgot our self-flagellation. That's right. Now, right, Reverend, as a person out of whose manifesto this practice comes... Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the courtesy of being the first person to declare how you are going to self-flagellate in the coming two weeks before there's another episode of this podcast. What are you going to do to yourself to hurt yourself and focus your your will and your wisdom on, you To know, center my mind yeah. on the will of the Lord. Yeah, that. To do the aforesaid. In the next two weeks, before our next episode, I am going to punish my flesh in the following way. Every time... Please elaborate. Please elaborate. Every time. And I say every time... This is my favorite part of the show. Every time that I see... do things to yourself. A woman or a child. Either one of those. A woman or a child. I will take that as a message from the Lord that this is the time to punish myself. How are you going to do it, though? When I see a woman or a child, I will promptly take off my left shoe. As we know, the left is the side of the devil. Oh, is that because it's sinister? That's correct. You have been studying my manifesto. I is. I have. And, yeah, it's weird how sinistro in Latin means left, but I'm sure that didn't enter your thinking at all. Does it now? Have you been reading and learning the language of the Roman devil? I haven't, and I also didn't... I don't explain jokes, because we don't have jokes on this show, so... So there's nothing to explain. Just disregard everything I said. Yeah, so, you're gonna take off your sinister shoe. I'll take off my sinister shoe, and I will walk a mile further than is necessary for me to get where I am going, and wherever I end... My journey, a mile beyond where my intended end was. I will donate my shoe to the nearest person. So you're saying, and I just want to make sure I've got this right and got a firm, clear picture in my mind for myself to enjoy. I mean, meditate on. Um, you're saying, so you're walking, you're walking along, you're going to the coffee shop, yeah? Mm-hmm. And you see a woman and a child, and... They're, they're just very adorable, but you see them, and they're there, and this is a message from the Lord. So as soon yes. as you see them, you're going to bend over, take off your left shoe. Mm-hmm. With your left shoe in hand, you're going to go past the coffee shop, a mile down the road to where the gas station is. Mm-hmm. You're going to stop at the gas station, pump all the gas into your left shoe that your left shoe will hold, you're going to bring that up to the counter, and you're going to say, I'd like to buy this gas, and also please heat this shoe. <laughs> well, yes, of course. Now, the the thing is, if I see a man, 
or an elderly person, then I will take that as a sign from the Lord that he has accepted my incomplete sacrifice, much as Abraham's sacrifice of his son was stopped by an angel. Yeah. So, but, and therefore, okay. if I see a man or an elderly person, yeah, after I have taken off my left shoe, I will take that as a sign that the Lord smiles on me for the rest of the day and I will return my left shoe to my foot and go about my business. Okay, so you're saying, when you go into the coffee shop, you see the woman and the child, you you take off your left shoe, you go down to the gas station, you fill it with gas, you pull it on the counter, you say, I'd like to buy this gas also, I'd like to donate this shoe. You turn around, you leave, you come out, and there's an old man walking down the sidewalk with his cane, you see this old man, and you say, oh, the, the Almighty has accepted my sacrifice, so you turn back around, go back into the gas station, no. and you say, I'm going to undonate this shoe, I'd like it back, but you can keep all the gas? Is that is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, if I see a woman or a child on my way to the coffee shop, I will take off my left shoe and continue walking down towards the gas station. Now, before I reach the gas station, if I see on my way a man or an elderly person, then that is the Lord telling me that he accepts my sacrifice before it has been completed. Oh, I see. So you're going to leave the donated shoe donated, but if you don't If donate I donate it, my shoe, it is donated. All right. But if I That's... see a man or an elderly person before I donate my shoe, the Lord accepts my sacrifice, and I may put my shoe back on my foot and go about my day. Now, that's very fair-minded, right, Reverend. So you're right, as always. But, Thank you. So, what if you fill with gas first, and then on the way into the gas station, you see this, this elderly person? Are you going to put your shoe back on with all the gas right in it? No, then he is the man to whom I will give my shoe. Oh, okay, that makes sense, and definitely sort of follows out of all the parameters that you've set up for the scenario first. Right. Correct. However, I all right, right, here's another question. So, you're walking towards the coffee shop. You see this this woman and child take off your shoe. You go you go hiking down towards the gas station to donate it. But on the way to the gas station, you see an elderly woman holding hands with her grandchild. What does that mean? Well, since I have seen both a child and a woman... And an elderly person, all at the same time. That seems to me to be a trinity. A symbol of the Holy Trinity. And therefore, God accepts my sacrifice and requires of me that I go and drink my coffee at the coffee shop and study upon his holy word. Right, okay, but what if it's an old man then? Well, then, if it's an old man, then it seems to me that a man is larger than a child, and therefore the message of the man overturns the message of the child, and therefore the Lord accepts my sacrifice, I may put on my shoe, and go about my day. So what you're telling me is, you, you're walking towards a coffee shop, you yes. see this, this woman and child, mm -hmm. you take off your left shoe, you start like... Amen. You go down towards the gas station that's a mile uh, down the uh, road. Uh, but on the way, brother. you see an old man and a child. Yes. Your immediate next move is to put on your shoe 
and go to the child and overturn that child. If that is what you interpreted my word to be saying, it must be true. Yes, I would overturn that child. Alright, just making sure. Have I, have, I, have I sufficiently provided my self-flagellation for the next two weeks? You have. I do believe you have. Then you are... what, what is yours, Brother Ethan? How will you be punishing your sinful flesh in the next two weeks? Well, here's the thing. I sometimes like candy, right? Uh-huh. And candy is filled with sugar. It's very unhealthy. It's very self-indulgent. Yes. So... For the next two weeks, when I have the urge to purchase candy of any kind, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to purchase that candy, right? But, but, stop. You don't, you don't have to be right by telling me how bad that is. Because it's only part one. Part two is I'm going to take that candy that I've purchased. We're going to leave where, whatever establishment I've purchased it in. I'm going to find... The first child that I come upon, and I'm going to hand them the candy. Uh, and I'm going to say, please throw this candy at me. Mm. So I'm going to just get a few feet away, not far enough to stop it from hurting when they throw it. And get a few feet away, and uh, I'm going to just say, alright, throw this candy at me. Throw it like, as hard as you can in whatever place you think is the most vulnerable and that will teach me to appreciate pain and also not to eat candy. Yeah. Clarify for me, brother. Yeah. What kind of candy is this that you'd be buying? Any kind. Any kind? I, have, I, have a, I go into a gas station, I have the urge to buy one of every single kind of candy. I usually can't right. afford that because I don't work, but I am just... Going to buy whatever kind of candy I would normally buy and then hand it to a child and have them throw it out. Oh, I see. I see. So, whenever you feel the urge to buy candy, yeah. you will buy that candy. Yeah. And you will give it to a child. Yeah. But instruct that child to throw it at you. Right. As hard as they can. And as as hard as they can. Now, what if that child decides to take the candy and leave? Well, then they've broken our contract, haven't they? And yeah. I can report them to the police, and then they'll learn not to steal. So that it's sort of a is win divine either. Divine work, brother. Divine work. Thanks. Well thought, well thought, and well done. I approve of your self-flagellation for the coming two weeks. Thanks, Reverend. And as usual, you are right. I am. I am indeed. Very good. Well, now that we've now we've outlined our self-flagellations, mm-hmm. I think all we have to do is rate this book that we've read. And as usual, since there's no such thing as ambiguity, we're only going to rate this book, and we're only going to rate it as yes or no. So, right, Reverend, what do you think of this book? Is it a yes or is it a no? Ah, you see, Brother Ethan, this takes a very smart mind to think very hard about this book. As I have done over the last two weeks, in the time that we have taken to read and harshly judge this book, and now discuss it on our podcast. As we always do, harshly judge. As we always do, 
I must come down on this book with a very firm, very hard no. Why Why would you say no to this book, Reverend? Well, in the interests of absolute lack of ambiguity, I must say that this book, because while it has many good intents, it is not perfectly inspired. It is therefore of the devil. Well, and you're the right, Reverend, and you are always right, so I do have to agree with you and say yes, no. You do. Yes, I did you appreciate do. how this book did tell me how to feel at all times and in all places by saying things now, like, you must cry now, you let, must laugh now, but... Let me you, be very right. clear, it is a very, very good book. It is an excellent book. It is very edifying. It is very good in many ways. Very clear. But you're right, but it's not no. divinely inspired. That is right. And therefore, as with all books that are not the Bible or your manifesto, we do That's have to right. say no. That is right, as we have done through all 342 episodes of this podcast. If it is not the Bible or my manifesto, it is a no. Yeah, seems like after 342, we would maybe figure out that we'll always say no and just not read them, but... Then what would we do at this time every week? Something that, sinful, I'm sure. That's right. Right along the lines of logic and humor, idle hands are the devil's plaything. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I hear someone knocking at my door. Well, tell them to go away. Who is there? Tell them we don't want anyone. It's just us and we're all we need and also God. We have... All we need. Because it's us. Your husband? Who is your husband, madam? We've already established that we're single virgins. You are leaving? She probably can't hear me, can she? No, she cannot. I have headphones on. (laughs) (laughs) I assume he's talking to me. Come here and listen to the voice of my brother. I'm not saying sassy things about how... All we need is each other. And also we've established in the world of this podcast that we're single. That's not what I'm saying. We are we are single virgins, as we said. Yeah. How More does like he said the, the word podcast. virgins and then it became became uh, canonical. <laughs> we must uphold the canon. If there's the no canon. canon, there is no truth. Well, Brother Ethan, it seems that I am being called away by some spirit. Well, I do feel like we were done anyway. Uh, do you want to announce what we are reading for our next book? Yeah, we're going to read all the volumes of John Calvin's Institutes. (laughs) Very good book. I have read half of it before. And I definitely know how to read and will be reading that in the future. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Because I'm an English professor and I do know how to read. Yes, you do. Uh, well, shall we sign off with yeah. all of our contact information? I would say, do you have anything to promote? But we don't have anything to promote because this is all that we do forever. That is correct. Read my manifesto. Read his manifesto? I'm definitely not going to secretly poison him in the night because he's always right and I'm not. You can't poison him in the night yet. I don't have a life insurance policy on him yet. (laughs) Fair enough. Woman (laughs) I didn't know was in his life and I'm now pretty jealous of. (laughs) 
I declare I have never met this woman before. She is an interloper. I will deal with her as the Lord directs my natural instincts. Excellent work. I'm proud of you, as I am proud of both of us every week. Alright, let's sign off. Alright. Uh, what's our motto? Until next time, just remember, it's our party and we'll cry if we want to. Thank you very much. You adopted my accent right there at the end. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Um, So, yeah, uh, you can expect. not sure what happened there, but I'm hoping the audio isn't too uh, corrupted by that. Anyway, you can expect our uh, episodes when we have uh, four episodes coming out on Don Quixote, uh, and the first one will be released on Monday, September 25th. That's the plan anyway. Uh, I'm not signing any contracts in blood or anything, but that's what we're looking for. So, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Room with Scotch. Uh, you can join our uh, Tapestry Radio Tap House on Facebook. That's a closed group, but uh, request to join as long as you're not a robot or an evil version of yourself from an alternate universe. We will accept your request to join. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. And Ethan is at Bjartlet. That's B-J-A-R-T-L-E-T-T. Uh, so follow us there. Listen to our other Tapestry Radio shows like Intermission and Pokemon Rollout. Uh, and otherwise, just keep waiting. And the end of the month is when we will release our episodes on Don Quixote. Uh, thanks for listening and goodbye. figure out what we're doing as we're doing it. <laughs> so the usual. The usual. <laughs> Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.